The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. It's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds. Leaky Black, Matt Norlander, is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Also do that while you're here. Let's get into it. As I as I hope you know, uh, we spent the past few weeks doing our Candid Coaches uh, series, which is a thing we do annually where we ask coaches a, a series of questions. Uh, we offer anonymity in exchange for honesty. It's among my favorite off-season things that we do. A couple of weeks ago, we touched on the questions we asked about UConn and Gonzaga. Where is the best fit uh, from a conference perspective for those basketball-dominant athletic departments. If you missed it, you can find it. Go check that out if you care. Today, we're going to discuss a few other questions we've asked, and I want to start with the question that I I believe has gotten the most attention, and it's a question where we ask roughly 100 college basketball coaches what their experiences recruiting out of the portal has taught them about what a transfer who projects as a starter at the high major level is looking to get in the form of an NIL deal. What is that guy looking for? What is that guy getting? The most common answer was that a transfer who projects as a, as a high major starter is looking for an NIL deal worth more than $200,000 and probably getting uh, deals worth around $200,000. Yes, there are outliers. Uh, Hunter Dickinson is probably getting more. Some other dudes are probably getting less. But about $200,000, that's the price we were told you better expect to pay for a high major starter out of the transfer portal. Deadleg, did anything about what we were told from the coaches we talked to, texted with, anything we heard surprise you? Um, yeah, only a couple things, small things. Um, so that based on what I sent you, I brought up my balloting specifically. What surprised me was, um, I didn't know if I would really get any answers that were 400 or above. And I got, I got three of them. One assistant at a blue blood gave me 500 and then two more gave me 400 as a figure. One of those two was also another coach at one of the five or six biggest schools in the sport there. So, um, the high end was surprising. None of the others really were. Um, 
the, the 200,000 mark was the most popular among my responses there. So that was twice as much. I have 14 of the coaches I, I surveyed had 200,000 and the next closest was 150 with, with eight back. But basically in that 150 to 250 range was overwhelming the most popular. Now to kind of pull the curtain back on, the, on this one, this, there are a couple questions this year that prompted a lot of response and discussion. Um, I would say this one was the second most talked about amongst coaches that I spoke with the most by far was have you experienced burnout and then I had coaches go on <laughs> like absolute tangents on all that that prompted by far the most this one was a was number two um, some coaches were not willing or said they couldn't they they couldn't speculate because you know we do talk to mid major coaches and so uh, GP handled this one for candid coaches and um, I'm not going to speak for you directly you can answer this but I believe the coaches that that didn't answer this we just we didn't take their answers into account because they weren't going to speculate. Some said they hadn't dealt with it, but for a high major transfer that projects as a starter, the $200,000 to 250 range, um, that seems reasonable to me. I also got into conversations with coaches about how they felt about that range in general. Didn't really have any coaches that were pushing back on this and saying it was too much money. Some coaches said once you get you know north of three three fifty, then it became like a real issue. Some coaches did tell me some interesting stories and tales about how they had lost a player, and you know they were hoping to get their guy somewhere in the low six figures range, and then um, you know they were essentially promised you know thirty fifty eighty hundred thousand dollars more than that, and they wound up losing the player, which you know that's going to be the market being the market. Whether those players get that is another angle on this and uh and i do want to at least bring that up real quick then i'll toss it right back to you because when i presented this question to the coaches i i you know i tried to phrase it very specifically i said based on your recruiting in the portal the past two years approximately what is the going rate and price for a transfer and some coaches said are we talking what these guys are asking are we talking what we think they're ending up getting because those can be two very very different things i said we're more talking about when you're in the portal or if you lose a guy the figure approximately just approximately what is attached to them. Um, but a lot of these coaches said, listen, man, I just having either experiences, for, uh, you know, firsthand or talking to my friends that are, you know, in the conference or, you know, I coached with them five, seven years ago, and now they're halfway across the country. I don't believe that a lot of these figures are actually what these players end up getting. Now, some of that can be sour grapes. Some of it can be just some half informed skepticism. But to me, my biggest takeaway from this was that, the NIL era in men's division one college basketball is still feeling itself out. I don't feel like things have gotten completely out of hand in terms of how much money has been uh, delivered. Maybe things have gotten out of hand in terms of how much money is being promised or alluded to. And that can be agents as much as it could be schools because coaches technically cannot use this as a recruiting inducement, you know, play the laugh track if you must. But those were my overall impressions on this very intriguing question. This was GP's suggestion this year for candid coaches. And the bottom line takeaway is if you're wondering if one guy is, is going to a different school, in one of the big six conferences, if he's a starter, you know, blindly presume that he's somewhere probably being offered or asking for something in the $200,000 range. Um, I understand it, technically this is not supposed to be a recruiting inducement. The reality is it is the biggest recruiting inducement um, that exists now. I've had coaches tell me that they used to walk into homes um, for visits 
And they would talk about style of play and, uh, you know, how often they're on national television and how many NCAA tournaments they've made and, you know, the type of crowds they draw and, you know, who else is going to be on the roster. And now coaches said, like, if you just want to cut right through it, just sit down and say, hey, I got 175. I got lined up for you. I mean, that's where the conversations start. Some families are aggressive with it. Like, all right, coach, good to see you. What are we looking at? Others are more subtle. Like they'll listen to you meander around it, but eventually they want to settle on that point. How much are we getting to go to your school? So this is a massive um, recruiting recruiting inducement. It, it is the ma- major factor in, if not all, certainly most recruitments these days. The reason we ask the question, if anybody's wondering, so specifically is because from the very beginning of this series, um, we have asked coaches from all levels of the sport. I, I mean, we t- we talk to people who are in the Hall of Fame, people who have won national championships, and then we talk to uh, the third assistant at uh, a low major program you've never heard of. And so, if you just start asking, "Hey, what's a a transfer looking for out of the portal?" Well, you know, if you're in the housing market, if you're shopping in Calabasas, a house is worth one thing. If you're shopping in Mississippi, a house is worth another thing. So I wanted to be very specific with this because even the mid-major coaches will sometimes have a, a, a good feel for this because they thought they had a guy locked up at 75000 And then here comes, you know, some SEC school and ah, we couldn't get it done at the end of the day because kid got 250. Um, they would even, even if they're not recruiting at the high major level, they should have a, in some cases a feel for what's going on at the high major level. You are right. Some of them did, and I appreciated this honesty. Just say I don't know. Like I've had, I had multiple coaches yeah. say, "GP, you probably know more about this than I do." Like yeah, I'm working I had a couple of coaches. Yeah. yeah, and I believe the coaches. As some, I with one or two, I'm not going to name it. One or two, I just felt like for whatever reason they got weirdly uncomfortable with the question, and it's fine. My goal every year with this is to make sure that every single question is answered by every single coach. This one, we just had, we had some who were just like, I just can't, I can't give you the answer that you're looking for here. I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. There were some who just said, listen, I'm not, I don't swim in those waters, you know, like, uh, you, you know, I, maybe one day I will, but I haven't really, I, I don't swim in those waters. And that was fine. I like, again, all we are asking for is honesty, whatever that yes. looks like. We're not searching for specific answers as much as we're just asking the question and seeing what we get. So we asked it that way to make sure everybody was answering the same way. And again, the, the majority, I don't like the, the most common answer was they're looking for more than 200. They are getting around 200. And I heard, and I'd be interested because we haven't really talked about this, even you and I off of air or whatever we're doing. Um, how many coaches told you, did you hear? And if you're in there with the SEC, it's a different deal. Like I, I had multiple coaches tell me, the SEC is a different deal. Few other big brands, you could probably guess them: Kansas, Kentucky. But um, it, it, the the prevailing thought was, if you're in there with you know ACC schools, Big Ten schools, for the most part, about two hundred thousand dollars. And this is I had one coach tell me, you're talking about a guy who's averaging eleven points and six rebounds. That guy's going to get around two hundred thousand dollars. But if and they didn't say these schools, but they said SEC schools. But if Arkansas and Alabama get involved, you might need to go to three. That I heard that from a lot of different people. Uh, a couple of people did interject that. Uh, the, the, the thing that came up more or the most, I should say, for me with this question, um, and I assume the player wouldn't mind it anyway, is uh, they basically, I want to say at least five or six coaches at some point, either right off the jump or in the midst of answering the question said, 
Okay, we're not talking about Hunter Dickinson though here, right? So right. Hunter Dickinson is the player that this you know this cycle has been associated with NIL deals that are worth well north of six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars. Whether how much of that is true, it's on Hunter Dickinson if he ever wants to reveal it. But um, for the purposes of this question, coaches were almost eliminating him specifically from the question altogether. Which I which I understand. He was he was the you know most well known, most you know prioritized and coveted transfer of them all. I got a couple with the SEC, but more off it was like coaches are like, all right, let's remove like the the top one or two players in this discussion and kind of break down to everyone else that. Uh, that is not the exception to the rule. That's right. And I, I had I, I had coaches tell me, like, if in some cases, you know, I had one coach say, like, basically, you get your transfer rankings that David Cobb does. You, you pick a top 15 guy out of there. If I'm going to go recruit that guy, I don't even go unless I know I can tell them we got at least $200,000 lined up. Like, I'm not even getting involved in that right. because it's a waste of time. So, and and the other thing I had a lot of coaches tell me is that, um, they were taking this, this the, 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 all the data and the column, and they were literally giving it to boosters and saying, hey, listen, I'm not BSing you. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's valid. I, I'm I, not asking yeah. you for money for no reason. Yeah. This is what CBS Sports did. They talked to 100 different coaches. This is what it cost. Do you want me to have a good team? Do you want me to have good players? This is the this is what yeah. it costs. I had multiple coaches tell me, "Thank you for doing this. I'm now taking it to my yes. boosters because I feel like some of them are skeptical that this is really what it takes." Service well, journalism. What what do you want from us? You know, doing what we doing what we can. And to any yeah, to any um, supporters of a program and boosters that might have been skeptical, uh, I I would say short of literally looking at the contracts, which, you know, we're not, we're not privy to. I mean, we are still dealing with either first, second, sometimes third hand information of this. You are getting a temperature check on what the marketplace is for division one men's college basketball in 2023. If you're trying to bring in a starting level transfer at one of the big six, soon to be, I guess, big five conferences across the board. And, you know, I did have a couple of guys in power conferences, head coaches and assistants that gave me the $100,000 number. So I don't want to say it's always that from their interpretations. And I know like some lower level, high major programs um, know that once it gets to that two two fifty range, they're just simply not going to be able to compete. This is a very complex thorny issue because then you get into situations where coaches are trying to balance rosters, keep their players happy. And some, some coaches told me they are, more than happy and willing to get the two or three guys that need to have the NI deal set up to take care of, take care of them. But some other coaches were like, dude, I need, I need the, the second, third, fourth guy off my bench, man. If I don't have that, like, you know, I, I know you might not care, but it, it, it's just going to be the difference between us competing for an NCAA tournament bid and straight up, not even getting to the NIT. So I have to be more judicious and perhaps democratic with how I try and um, handle my roster when it comes to NIL matters. Very fascinating thing. And the, and, this whole environment is still feeling itself out. Last thing for me on this GP, because I know we got to touch on a, a number of questions. I did have, I want to say, a half dozen coaches uh, offer up some variety of, listen, I think we need to just get through the next couple of years, and then we are really going to see what this will be moving forward. Um, because in talking to this booster here or this person here, uh, I'm not convinced that these people are going to still continue to want to give this much money to collectives. Not a lot of coaches said this, but there is a feeling among some power conference coaches that 
if we want to say the number is approximately 200 right now, that might drift a little bit. It, the market might just come back a little bit here. It's not for the Dickinsons in a given year, but for the average transfer, that money not might not be as much come 26, 27. That may not be the case, but more than more than three or four coaches at least posited that reality. That might be hopeful and wishful thinking on their behalf, but I at least wanted to. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bring it up. Yeah, on, on Dickinson, and yes, like a lot of coaches are like, okay, that's the outlier. We, we say that we acknowledge there's outliers. He's the outlier. He's getting more than most, um, maybe more than all, but but certainly more than most. And, you know, that, that so in, in Kansas, listen, I'm not throwing allegations around, but like we're just talking plainly about Kansas work to get that done. And what's interesting, like it, it's, it's completely unsurprising to me that Kansas is flourishing in this space because – Honestly, what Kansas got in trouble with with the NCAA is what NIL is all about now. I know. Like a few years ago, it was like, Bill Self was on the phone with Adidas. Bad. And now it's like he has to be on the phone with Adidas and the guy who owns the local taco shop down the street and anybody else who might do an NIL deal. Like what Kansas did to, quote, get in trouble is what everybody is required to do now. And Nike announced on Thursday an NIL deal with Paige Beckers from UConn. Okay. Five years ago, I mean, whatever. Just well, DJ, DJ Wagner was still like uncommitted prospect and got a Nike deal. And then you're not going to believe Caleb business. Williams on my television every 30 minutes now. Right. Like this is this is how it you're, should. You're not, not going to believe this. Got a Nike deal and then enrolled at a Nike school. Crazy. It's bananas. I know. Unheard. It's bananas the way this stuff works. So I um, I enjoyed the coaches cooperating with us and um, helping us get a a. a, a what I hope is a good grasp for, for what is actually happening out there. Cause I don't believe anything like this had been done before. Like where you at, like I, people just throw out numbers, but like, yeah. who, how, has anybody else actually asked a hundred coaches who are, who are dealing with this every day right. in these conversations, making these deals involved at the, at the very basic level. Hey, what's happening out there. Um, so it, it hopefully, People who follow the sport will come away with a better grasp of, of what's real and what isn't. And, um, you know, it, it is it is college basketball now. Regardless of how you feel about it, there is no going back. Um, there, there might be a way to improve this going forward, but there's no going back. This is the world we live in. And and frankly, and, I, and then we'll move on. We talked about this for years leading up to NIL becoming a reality. Like, what is it going to look like? And what do we both say? Um, it's the, the same teams that are great are going to be great. The same teams that get the best players are going to get the best players. UConn's our reigning national champion. Um, Kansas is our preseason number one. 
um, you know, Michigan State, Duke are preseason top five. FAU's top ten, like we all said. FAU's top ten, like always. <laughs> okay, there's some weird stuff yeah. going on. Purple Tower, Florida Atlantic. Yes, but um, but and Marquette. Oh, hold on, this, but Marquette, you know, not using the transfer portal in the top ten. So I, you know, just a little, little bit for everyone. That's I'm all. just saying, you go look at the preseason top twenty-five whenever the AP poll gets published, with the exception of Florida Atlantic. Um, it's going to look about the way it, it always looks. The teams that you see are going to be right. The order of things has not been changed. The way things are getting done, different, but the order of things within the sport hasn't really, hasn't really changed at all. Um, same way in football, the, the schools that care about this stuff the most are doing the best. Colorado, and, traditional power, obviously thriving. By the way, I love that Colorado football story. That's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> It's incredible, man. It's the biggest. It's the biggest thing in this war. Like he really is the biggest thing in this war. I know it's wild. Just it's wild. Yes. Like I I was trying to think, like what could possibly be the equivalent in college basketball? What Deion Sanders is doing right now? Um, And who knows where this season goes? But I mean, in this moment, I I I thought about this too. If you think about, and we need we need to break and get the rest of the the questions. But um, if you think about the personality involved, the sport changing way that. Um, Dion played the game, media friendly, bombastic, outgoing, not shy on opinions. One of the all time greats in the sport, Hall of Famer, someone who's still connected to the game. It would be like, let me see what power conference. It would be like if LSU decided not to hire Shaq and instead he went to DePaul and DePaul became one of the five best teams in the sport. That's really what it would be. It would be Shaq. Coaching DePaul and DePaul opens the season with, you know, going nine and oh, suddenly is a top five team. I know Colorado's technically 22nd, but it would be that. That's what it would be. And to see in football is incredible. Obviously, college basketball has, you know, there are former NBA coaches. It has its, its quote unquote celebrity coach. Um, there, there's yeah. nothing like this. Like but even Penny, like the this. Penny Hardaway yeah. thing's not like this. Penny Hardaway's not not like this. And, and Memphis was not like you know there are elements of it, but it, it, it not exactly the analog. Dion and Dion got turned down by Auburn and what South Florida and Florida State, and so Colorado was the only one that took him. Um, now that I've said this, I do want Shaq. Uh, Shaq to DePaul. The campaign Shaq to DePaul starts right should now. Have yeah. Shaq to DePaul. That yeah. someday, yes. not now, but but someday. In a related note. Kinda. We also asked coaches what they would do to fix or at least improve the transfer portal. We'll be quick on this because this is mostly a, mostly a coach's issue. As a like, this doesn't impact sure. fans in any way whatsoever. Yeah. Um, you handled that question. Tell folks what we learned when we asked it. Well, okay, so yeah, and the as it's always been, the the portal and NIL are kind of interconnected. Um, and the one thing that I that I did not allow coaches to say was, okay, the window's open too long. Everyone agrees on that. It would have gotten 90% of the returns on this and it's, it's already expected to change. So if you're unaware of that this past off season, uh, the transfer portal and all NCAA sports was open 60 days. Now it hasn't technically changed to 30, but the NCAA did all this data. If you look at the, the across multiple sports, what happens is in about the first 20 to 25 days, you've got a fluctuating, um, you know, a bit of data about how many transfers are, are are hopping in, and then it really just it just dies off. And then what happens at day fifty seven? It spikes like crazy. So you have this largely inactive period that's going to shrink down. It just needs to be officially voted in, and then I think it would become official. I think 
in January at the NCAA convention, hopefully sooner. So that was the only answer that was not on the option here. That was not an option. Here were the top five responses. And trust me, coaches were all over the map on this. <laughs> the, the winning percentage was, okay, we can have one transfer with immediate eligibility. And if it's a grad student, like whatever, but that's it. There is, there is no second transfer immediate eligibility. Now, a lot of coaches said, period, don't, don't, don't care about the situation, but some coaches, um, said, no, no. And let, if the coach leaves the institution, the, the player should be able to transfer immediately. It's refreshing to hear that. And then other coaches brought up, you know, if there's some sort of abuse that has, that can be, uh, you know, proven then uh, an immediate transfer, but otherwise it's one transfer. That's it. That one, 20%, 19% was a variety of sponsors of responses that I tried to just <laughs> narrow down as best as I could. And it basically comes down to this. Coaches want as much transparency as possible in the transfer process. They want tampering seriously, seriously enforced and all this stuff tied to name, image and likeness. They want as much governance and as many guardrails around this process as possible. They uh, from coaches with the most job security you could imagine to literally 27 year old assistants that I spoke with are wanting that situation to be improved. Some had some long-winded ideas. We needed to get into that, but that was the number two. And then number three, with 18% of the vote was, okay, you can change one thing about the transfer portal process. What do you want to do? Open the portal after the final four. This would be my pick above all others. Um, some coaches are very, very much against this because they don't like the idea of two players wanting to leave their team and having their dis their minds made up on February 26th, and then this thing doesn't open until April 5th, and maybe two pissed off players becomes four, becomes six. I, yeah, got listen. That's part of the job. It's why you get paid the money. I get that. There's never going to be a, a solution that that you know satisfies all. I would say for the betterment of the sport, in respect to the tournament, for coverage of the sport, you have the tournament, celebrate one shining moment that Monday night. Everyone flies home Tuesday. Then to me, that Wednesday can be the day. That's when the portal can officially open. Yeah. Then you get a flood of a thousand names. I get all that. And then you have a 30 day period and then college basketball's, you know, transfer window to crib a term from the EPL, the transfer window opens and that doesn't stop, you know, a player getting a, a Photoshop done for social media on February 17th saying, uh, you know, I plan to enter the portal uh, in April. That's a, by all means. But as a few coaches brought up to me, GP, there's also the potential that a player that decides on February 10, on February 17, on March 20, they want to get in the portal. Maybe, just maybe, and not saying that staying is the better option, but you never know. Maybe they wait a couple more weeks. They don't make a decision that's quite as rash. And they wind up staying. You actually could actually, by extending when the portal opens, you might be able to have a little bit better roster retention. Those were the top three. One more than it's all you. Um, coaches are absolutely mad about, and not mad like angry. They are angry. It's more like batty about this idea that grad transfers can go up until right about now uh, on September 7th. By the way, happy birthday to my mother. Beautiful. Beautiful. Daisy Norlander, happy birthday. She might be listening to the pod. Um, you can have grad transfers just opt out of their school and go and enroll in another program. Now, that's happened here or there. I don't think it's a huge, huge issue, but uh, GP, I must have had 20 coaches bring this up to me. So that was the fourth. Have all grad transfers got to make their decision 
Some said June 1, some said May 15, some said June 15. I don't know how you can actually, I don't think that's ever going to happen. You can, If someone graduates from an institution and then chooses to seek a postgraduate degree somewhere else, I don't see how you can prevent that person from doing that on their own timeline and being eligible in another school. But those were our top four answers. I try to be pretty consistent on this. I Whatever I think is good or bad for the sport is trumped by what's right. And if a coaches are allowed to do something with rare exception, I'm not going to suggest that student athletes shouldn't be allowed to do the same thing. My point being this Chris Beard once upon a time worked at Angelo state in one year and then at little rock, the next, and then at Texas tech, the next, he was at three different places in three consecutive years as the head coach. Did anybody care? If anything, it was celebrated. So why why is it wrong when a basketball player is at three different schools in three different years? If it's not wrong when a basketball coach is, that, that, that will forever be my comeback to one time transfer is fine because this is what most I think most coaches are are here now at this place. One time transfer, fine with it, but you shouldn't be allowed to just transfer every year. You shouldn't be allowed to transfer and then transfer and then transfer. And I say you should. I, I, I don't, you know, you will, you will, as a student athlete, you might lose something as it pertains to uh, credits transferring and you might, you have to do an extra semester. That's, that's a person, again, yeah, that ain't got nothing to do with me. That ain't got nothing to do with the sport that people in this country make those types of decisions every day. They don't dribble a basketball or run a football. They just decide they want to change schools. And even if it means they're going to have to do an extra semester, they, it's up to them. I'll let, I'll leave that up to the players and, uh, and their parents. Um, so like if Chris Beard or any other coach can go from this school to this school, to this school in three consecutive years, then I don't mind players doing it. What I will say is I agree that the transfer portal should not open until after the season. It should not be a disadvantage to, to make the NCAA tournament as it pertains to recruiting for next season. Like if you are a non NCAA tournament team, season's over transfer portals open you get your whole staff working on it. All right. Hey, we're going to see this guy. We're getting this guy here. Reach out to this grassroots coach, call this mama, call this dad, call this uncle, call whoever. Whereas now you're, you're the sixth seed. You get ready for a basketball game. Uh, what if you make it to the sweet 16? Now that's a whole nother week. That happened. I it, talked it, to, I talked to an assistant a real thing. Team that made the sweet 16 in the morning of the game. They're on a zoom UConn night before their national semifinal. They're in the locker room on a Zoom call with a transfer. That's ridiculous. I mean, it's just outrageous. Uh, imagine NBA free agency going on during the conference finals. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it'd be outrageous. So, like, yes, I agree with the coaches that we should not open this thing until after the championship games on a Monday night. Transfer portal opens on a Tuesday. Fine with me. And then let's end it at some point. It doesn't need to be uh, 90 days or even 60 days. Um, NBA free agents, just to circle back to that, they make career five-year commitments <laughs> In, in a matter of hours, it's certainly in a matter of days. So we don't need 60 days to pick our next school. Let, let's make it a cutoff and let's give coaches a, a period of time in the calendar where they don't have to be recruiting either their own team back or yeah. players from another team. Um, this is where I do empathize with the coaches. Nobody, I don't care how much money you make. Nobody should have to work it seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. All right. You, you should be able to take a breath be with your family and not be at risk of damaging your work product. And right now coaches really aren't 
Like co- coaches have to. Like, I'm not asking anybody to feel sorry for them. They make. They all make more money than most of you. Well, not a bit. Not. But the third assistant doesn't. The Dobo right. making twenty nine thousand right. doesn't. Those are the people that are really suffering, and it's why you know. I wrote a whole story on this in July, and then we did a kind of coaches about mental health and burnout and all that. That's that's as much of a problem as anything because we're going to lose, we're losing, we're losing coaches and and support staffers before they can even get the chance to become the next Scott True or Mark View. That's right. So I I believe there needs to be some clearly defined lines in the calendar. This is when it opens. This is when it closes. Hey, here's a period where you can relax. Nobody's trying to take your players right now, and you don't need to be trying to take anybody else's players right now. Um, go to your kid's baseball game and, and put your phone down. There should be a time for that. Again, if, if you make $10 million a year, um, but have to work every single day of every single year to get it, it's great. Like, you know, most of us would do it, but it, it, you shouldn't have to do that. You should, everybody deserves some downtime. And right now, college basketball coaches don't have a lot of it, not without risk of, um, of, of missing something. So I agree with that for sure. There needs it needs to open later, close sooner. There needs to be a time where you don't have to worry about it. Right now, there's not really much time. You don't have to worry about it. Yep. Um, Bo on this, then we can move on. Uh, Portal is going to shrink. Expect that announcement in the months to come. The question with men's D1 college basketball is, does it get to decide when the portal open and closes? Or will that be a D1 council decision? And will it be after this? after the Sweets Elite Eight going into the Final Four or after the t- tournament altogether. There's still a fight for that. GP and I on the same page. It should open after the tournament ends. I would lean that's the case, but I'm not convinced because there's a lot of voices that don't want to wait into April to have it open. But I think you have April, transfer window. Hopefully everyone decides where they're going by the end of May and onward ho. In another question, we asked coaches to name the person they believe is the best coach yet to make a Final Four. One man ran away with it. We'll discuss that next. But first, a word from our partners. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. Visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. So we also asked about 100 coaches to name the person they believe is the best coach yet to make a Final Four. One man ran away with it. His name is Matt Painter. Dead leg, I assumed... I, I actually like we 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 get these questions together, and then I go, okay, how, what do I think is going to be the, the 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 most common answer? And on this one, I assumed it would be Matt Painter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you did too. Yes. That acknowledged. Were you surprised? Painter got fifty six point three percent of the vote. Second place, by the way, Sean Miller eleven point six percent of the vote. So Painter won this by a significant margin. Uh, I thought Painter would win. Um, I want to say Painter had like 
62 to 63 percent of my ballots so even so even still like with yours he was he was brought down and if we asked this question five years ago sean miller wins the poll he does because he would that was the thing that was attached to him but now or 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 tony bennett uh fair yeah good point good point yeah five years ago tony bennett's probably right there but miller was that coach for a good while um, Tony Bennett's now off another Bennett. Randy Bennett was third. So Miller had, you know, 12%. Randy Bennett had 9%. Greg McDermott, Ed Cooley rounded out the top five overall, but overwhelmingly Matt Painter is considered to be the best coach yet to make a final four. I probably had, uh, eight to 10 coaches that voted for him that said, he's going to, he's not going to be qualified for this list a year from now. Cause he's going to get there in 2024. This team is going to do it. They're going to get back there. Um, and listen, amongst the people in the sport, and part of this is, I think part of it is Painter's reputation as a person. He has served uh, on very prominent boards uh, throughout college sports. You know, he works with USA Basketball as well. He is, I'm, this is no exaggeration. He is as respected a Division One basketball coach as there is, Uh lack of final four national championship or not. I mean, Matt Painter is that guy. And so because he carries such a good reputation, I think it helps him in, in, in poll questions like this on top of the undeniable X and O's and what he's been able to do at Purdue and how he has recruited without, you know, most often getting five-star level players, sometimes turning, you know, relative unknowns. You know, Zach Eady, when he was recruited by Purdue, I mean, he did get interest from other power conference schools. Baylor, amongst others, were looking into him, but Eady was not projected to be an All-American. And um, and Eady's just the latest in a long line of very, very good players who have uh, certainly grown and been developed by Painter and his, and his staff. And, you know, I agree with this. To me, outsider looking in, someone who covers it, who doesn't coach, X and O, ability to adapt in-game, prep, all of it. Painter is the best to, yet to get there. And tournament's a fickle thing, um, but I, I am prone to believe that, uh, knock on wood, and Purdue fans, I know, I know, I know. You think I'm jinxing you already, but I, I do think that he knocks himself off of, of qualification for this list in less than a year. I think, barring injury, Purdue, no matter the seat attached to its name, um, is going to finally break through and Painter's going to get there. There's nothing I want more. Nothing. Like the, the two things nothing. that would satisfy me the most as it pertains to college basketball, I think would there, there's th- four. Can I go? Oh, with okay. four? four. I've decided there's growing by, by the second. Yes. I, I, maybe it's 50, but these are things that I will actually find myself rooting for um, this upcoming season. I want Matt Painter to make a final four that, that, that I, 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 he is elite, and this is what coaches told us. This is what I believe, but it's also was confirmed by coaches. Coaches believe he's elite, an elite basketball coach, and they also like him a lot. A lot. They yes. like him. They yeah. just like him. And um, I can't tell you how many coaches I, I had say, I, I, I hope they pull up Virginia, go from losing to a 16 to winning the national title, or – um, I think they will pull up Virginia. There was a lot of that. I had one coach who's got a preseason top 15 team, and he said, I want Purdue to win the national championship. He told you he was going to throw the game if he faced Purdue in the title. <laughs> he did not go that far. And I'm certain he it, it's implied that I would, I, you know, not at my game. expense. Yeah, sure but but I, I, I get as way, the way I took it was, 
if I can't win the national championship, I want Matt to win it. Um, so I would love just some other things. Like I would love Gonzaga to win a national championship. I want Gonzaga to win a national title. I want Purdue to go to a final four. I want Rick Pitino to be awesome at St. John's. And I want Ed Cooley to be awesome at Georgetown. Those are things that I sport can go to hell, but those are the four things you want. Yeah. Everything else I don't care about. Yeah. But, but, but those yes. Things. yes. Um, I, um, I know that Purdue is coming off of just a horrific ending to the season. And I saw Matt talking. How did that season end? They talking about? Oh, they lost. Oh, okay. It was, it, it was like, it was sweet 16 to like a four seed, right? Oh no. Dead leg. It was much worse than that. Um, and you know, I, I saw Matt was talking with, uh, the field of 68 guys and, he was like, yeah, it eats at you. You know, I should be able to celebrate. I'm paraphrasing yeah. here, but I should be able to celebrate a Big Ten championship and a Big Ten tournament title and a number one seed in the National Player of the Year. But I can't. it eats at you the way it ended. And I um, I hope, if anything, if he – because it gets to – it must get to you. I don't know what it's like to coach and be awesome and not ever go to a Final Four, but it, I imagine it gets to you. Like, I imagine on one hand you look at this list and you go – Hey, it's nice. More than half of my colleagues think that I'm the best who haven't been to a Final Four. But God, I wish I wasn't eligible for this list. Like you, you, you have to balance those things. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I am assuming it bothers you. Like you can't even look back on that season and feel great about it because of the way it ended. And it, it would just, it will be perfect and for a lot of reasons if. If Purdue, maybe not win the national title, but like at least get to the final four. We as a sport celebrate the final four more than any other sport. Like it is not celebrated to make be the final four in the college football playoff. It's like, oh, who's going to get pounded by Georgia? Congratulations. We don't even like we mock those teams that get to the semifinals and get blown out. You go to the final four in college basketball. That's a banner and it's an achievement and it's the way you're introduced for the rest of your life. You know, final four coach, Matt Painter, final four coach, whomever. Um, I do think he'll get there someday. I hope he gets there um, this year. The, 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 was there anybody that didn't get votes or didn't get a lot of votes that surprised you? Like, okay, we both agreed we thought Matt Painter would win this. I think he won it by a more significant margin than I anticipated. But who else on there? I'm not surprised Sean Miller was second. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I had one coach say, hey, listen, his reputation took a hit at Arizona, but the guy's a great basketball coach. And, um, you know, it, it might be hard to get there from where he's at now. School's never been there. But if anybody can do it, it's him. He's he's great. He's great. Um, anybody that, that didn't get a lot of votes that you go, Ooh, that's surprising. Uh, here's the list of everyone that got a vote for everyone listening in order. Uh, Painter, Miller, Randy Bennett. And then everyone else had, uh, it was 6% or, or fewer. So Greg McDermott, Ed Cooley, Nate Oates, Jamie Dixon, Leonard Hamilton, Tommy Lloyd. I didn't, that, that's all you. That was surprising to me. He just started, but hey, some people think he's already he's, on that he's level. proven to be excellent, hasn't he's he? He's excellent. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hear you. Um, Muss, Jerome Tang, Jerome Tang. By the way, Jerome Tang, huge fan of the pod. We've mentioned this before. We but got, but like, we got one year of a sample size, and the sample's great. It I don't, is, I don't, yeah, like Tang should be on this list, as far as I'm concerned. And then one vote for Cliff Ellis, who is the who has more wins than anyone else on this list. Cliff Ellis is the active leader in wins, has more wins than anyone not to make a final four. So that's the list of coaches that received a vote. Um, 
I can't say that I was surprised about any of this. I don't. I was surprised I, Musselman got so little of the vote, given that he's already been to two elite eights in Arkansas. And he's been to two. And as if you want to tap the uh, the fifteen thirty second back button, as I ran down those names, think about them. And who do you think ultimately gets to a final four and who won't? Because all those names, they're not all going to get there. So, uh, yeah. One, two, or three, it's just not going to happen. It's hard to get to a final four. Some of these guys are near the end of their careers. They could be in difficult situations. Some of these guys are really, really good coaches. They will just never get to a final four. Uh, it feels inevitable. Um, to your question, I'm looking right now. Uh, who is the best coach not getting a vote that also hasn't had a final four? Vamp, if you could, GP, because I'm actually going to see. Yeah, I, I don't know that. It, I, I was just surprised by Musselman. Um, only getting 1.8%. Um, he's been to two elite eights by definition. He's been close. It's pretty clear at this point, he's going to have a capable, a final four caliber team every season. Mm -hmm. Like, like, can you, the, with the way he does things, can you envision a scenario where we're not talking about Arkansas as a preseason top 25 team ever? I mean, eventually we'll get there, but like uh, it's not unthinkable, but uh, you'd have to have some stuff go awry. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, he he knows what he's doing and he knows how to work this transfer portal and he knows how to remake rosters, you know, season to season to season. Uh, th there's no reason to think he's not going to have a final four caliber team ever. Like the, some of these guys are not going to have final four caliber teams every year. Right. Like uh, Ed Cooley's not going to have one this season. Leonard Hamilton's probably not going to have one this season. Might, you know, given his age, might not have one again. Um, Cliff Ellis, obviously not going to have one at, at, at Coastal. But um, but I, th I think Muscle probably have one every every year. Uh, Painter, I think, is going to get there. I wouldn't rule out Sean Miller getting there. I mean, he, you know, Xavier has been a one seed in the NCAA tournament. So Randy Bennett, obviously he's terrific. Like how many people could do what he's done at St. Mary's? Like that, that maybe zero. Certainly mm -hmm. the list is short. I don't know that he can get St. Mary's to a final four. But again, the way we asked the question mattered. Who's the best coach who hasn't been to a final four? Randy Bennett's a perfectly reasonable answer to that. I think most people think Nate Oates is going to get there at some point. Like if you had to bet right now, Nate Oates will retire with a final four. Yes or no. I would vote. Yes. I would lean. Yes. But you know, he's another example of if, if it doesn't happen, like, it wouldn't be stunning to me. Um, well, it's hard to get there. Like some of the some hard John Cheney never went. Somebody in the chat pointed Chaney out. Cheney is one of the most famous right. to not get there. How about this? Okay. Coaches that didn't receive, I'd say the, I'd say the, uh, I got four coaches in mind here. Oh, you ready for one? Like here's one. Okay. John Shire. Well, okay. So one he's, coach he's brought coach up Shire to me. One coach was like, I'd love to give you Shire, but I cannot in good conscience give you Shire right now because there are so many other coaches who have been around longer and more proven. But, uh, in two or three years, there's a chance that if we were to do this question again, that Shire uh, would crack, crack well, how about the list. This? If you ask who is the best coach yet to make a Final Four, the list we have makes sense, I guess. If you ask who will be the next coach to make the Final Four for the first time, Shire's got to be first or second on that list right there with Painter because of what he, he be what's about coach. to happen this year. Right. Now, I'll also say two of the most accomplished coaches, maybe these are one, two, uh, two of the most accomplished coaches that haven't gotten there that didn't get a vote are probably Holtman and Greg Gard. Neither of those got a vote. And then I think a coach that didn't receive a vote, and I think it's fair that he didn't receive a vote yet, but one who, if we asked this question in 2028, if he hasn't broken through, that I think would make this, make this poll is Grant McCaslin, who just got to Texas Tech. He carries a very high reputation across D1 men's college basketball. And he didn't receive a vote, but that's another that's another name out there for you. And just um, you know, I would 
I would put the Ohio State coach on a list like this. Like uh, in, in the sense of like if the question was who is going to be the next coach to make a first Final Four, like the Ohio State coach, almost regardless of who it is, needs to be on there because it's Ohio State. Uh, Rodney Terry probably would need to be on that list because he's the head coach of Texas. Um, but it was it was interesting to, to get the responses. And again, um, more than half, 56.3% said Matt Painter is the best coach yet to make a Final Four. And a lot of those guys also told me um, they really, really, really would like to see him do it. And he obviously has a great chance this upcoming season. Another question we asked, who was the best high major coaching hire this year? In other words, they were hired in the year 2000. The 2023 coaching carousel. Yeah. Right. And the leading vote getter. This is another one. I, this is we what I would have picked. We knew who was going to win this one. Yes. We knew who was going to win this one. It's Rick Patino at St. John's 36.9% followed by Ed Cooley at Georgetown. 20.4%. Micah Shrewsbury, um, 12.6% at Notre Dame. And then Chris Beard at Ole Miss of 11.7%. Everybody else had less than, than 5%. The other names, Grant McCaslin, Mike Rhodes, Rodney Terry, Damon Stoudemire, Kim English, and Red Autry. As I wrote, I think Patino should be the leading vote getter. But when I look at the high major coaches that all got votes, and I don't know that I ever thought about this as the cycle was unfolding because we're doing a million other things. All of those make sense to me. They're not all going to work. All right. Some of these guys are going to be out in four years, maybe earlier. All right. Like, like Chris Beard at Tech, like, a few years ago, Chris Beard at Texas you was 61% the, of the vote. You made that. Two yeah. years later, he's out. All right. Yeah. Some of yeah. these are not going to work. All of them, in my mind, could work. I don't, I don't look at any of these and go, oh, that's ridiculous. They all make sense to me. The only two. So 10 of the 12 got votes. The only two that didn't, Josh Eiler at West Virginia, which obviously makes sense. He has no head coaching experience. Yeah, and then awesome. Mark Madsen at Cal. I did have two coaches... Um, I can't remember the coach they gave me, but they were like, you know, Madsen wouldn't be my first or second choice, but he would might be my might be my top three. He could be sneaky good. So even Madsen got a nod there. Patino winning comfortably is no surprise. Uh, Cooley coming in second, no surprise really when you consider his resume there. Um, a lot of coaches believe in Shrewsbury. A lot. Yes. And, and and Notre Dame is not going to be good this upcoming season. Like it is going to be a rebuild. Hell, maybe, maybe I'll tell you what, if Notre Dame gets to like 17, 18 wins, it'll really speak to Shrewsbury's coaching acumen because that is not expected to be a good team. And it might take a year or two, but they'll probably get going and really uh, and be a factor once again in the ACC. But he carries a lot of respect. And then um, I think I tweeted this out a couple of days ago. McCaslin, again, he had 5% of the vote. But I had a few coaches like when you ask these kind of questions, you're, if I'm talking through a coach, they're kind of they're they're they're, they're almost like talking out their answer to me. Yeah. And so on a, a couple of occasions, the guy's like, I got to give you Patino. But uh, McCaslin would be it if Patino didn't leave. McCaslin would be my vote if Patino didn't leave for St. John's. So McCaslin would probably be 15 to 20 percent if you gave coaches a top two. But yeah, we had to narrow it down. You got to pick one guy. And trust me, I had a couple. Of, this is the other thing, whatever. But like sometimes we ask these questions and then a coach will either give me over the phone or sometimes I'll do these over text and they'll give me two answers. I'll be like, no, that's not how this works. You have to give me one answer, one. And so because of that, in questions like this, it's why Patino winds up winning with a, a comfortable margin of vote. And as, as he should, I mean, he's one of the 10 best coaches in the history of the sport. Some, if you want to argue that he's closer to the top five, I'm willing to listen to that argument. But uh, St. John's has more 
optimism. And we did a whole summer shoot around on the on on the Johnnies there. I mean, it's it's got to be Patino because of what he has established there and what he's established at his career and what he's walking into there at St. John's. Uh, your note on Beard was obviously interesting because we did we do this question every year. And when he got the Texas job, he was the running away winner. I mean, he got almost double in that poll what Patino got in this one. But because Ole Miss is in Texas and because, frankly, I had a few coaches be like, I just, you know, I, I can't vote for Beard. And some other coaches are like, no, if, if, we're, if we're voting for the coach and what he can do, like my vote is still Beard. Like yeah. that's still what he's capable of. He's obviously a polarizing figure there, but he did come in fourth and there's a little bit of distance between him and McCaslin, who is fifth. And then Mike Rhodes at Penn State is sixth. He's the one that I think has a chance where he's like, He's not one of the, you know, the first five or six coaches we're talking about in this carousel cycle, GP. But if if he's from the area and if he can really continue off the momentum that Shrewsbury had going there, there is a chance. Rhodes has never not been good that right. uh, the Penn State uh, hits a new a new level as a program there. But it's traditionally one of the toughest places to coach at in that conference. So we wait and see. It's just such a hard job. Like, I, 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 I don't doubt that he'll do well there. Like, again, he makes sense. Um, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Mike, like, obviously he's, he's been great. It's a hard job. Um, whereas I think like Rick Patino has got a, it's not the best job, but like, it's going to be, it's going to be fine for him. Like I had coaches, they were like, no, he'll go to a final four. Like he'll, he'll make the NCAA tournament in year one and go to the final four before he retires. Like people really do think, you know, Rick Patino in New York city with name, image and likeness rights. Like, forget about it. It's it's going to work. Um, he does turn seventy one later this month, but I, I'm I've never been worried about his age, and coaches don't seem worried about his age. Um, as I wrote, because I handled this question, um, when you t- talk to Rick, you spent time with him last season. Yes. He 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 does he he. I don't know how else to say this other than he doesn't come across as his age. Is that a fair assessment? Would that be your assessment? Yeah, yeah. We talked about this on a recent yeah. show. Um, yeah, no, he's still got plenty of he's got plenty of vigor. He's yeah. he's he's full of, full of energy, and uh, you know, we mentioned the Deion Sanders thing earlier, and uh, and Shaq to DePaul. Let's make that happen um, again. Patino at St. John's is not an analog to that, but there is a chance. You know, like St. John's was a power in the 80s. Colorado once won, you know, won the national, had co-claimed the national championship in 1990 or whatever. Um, dormant programs and power conferences taken over by extremely well-known coaches. And there is a chance that, uh, and, and, you know, Dan's got to coach a second game here. So we can, we can bump the brakes a little bit, but there's a chance that, and, and it's, it's frankly, it feels more likely uh, that Patino can bring, you know, just a, on a national perspective, a, a level of interest and an invigoration to a school that will benefit the overall enterprise of college basketball. Like college football has helped right now because Deion Sanders is doing things at Colorado that were seen seemed impossible or borderline impossible. And St. John's has not been a relevant program for the majority of the past two plus decades. Uh, Patino already has them in relevancy before they played a game. But once we actually get to the games and can really 
get a good read on this stuff. There's a chance that in year one, yeah, he has them in the tournament. And by mid-December, we're talking about a St. John's team that that's a factor nationally is ranked in the top 25. So we could see that uh, semi-duplicated in college basketball. He makes the most sense as the biggest winner. But for the big, the other thing is the Big East wins big here because the top two vote getters on this are both at Big East schools. It's been a huge year for the conference. UConn winning the national championship. You had all this coaching changeover. There's plenty of drama, renewed rivalries. They absolutely hate hate Cooley now in Providence. Kim English, Providence who coached, he also got votes. So a lot of intrigue. This is uh, Arcadic Coach was, was a big win for the Big East overall, just in general with some of the uh, top vote getters and multiple questions. Uh, one last thing on Chris Beard. Um, I heard the same thing you did. They're like, define best. They were like, he's the best coach of the group, but he's not the best hire because he shouldn't have been hired. Like, I, I'm not here to, to yeah. relitigate that. It's just that, that that is still out there. There are coaches who are like, Chris Beard's awesome. He's going to be awesome. Um, I don't think he should have been hired under these circumstances. And I know that the charges were dropped and they know that the charges were dropped, but the police report still exists. It remains ugly. And there's just, um, you know, coaches mostly stay in their own lanes, but I think some were uncomfortable, like an an institution of higher learning uh, would, would hire a person in March or April who was accused of what he was accused of, um, you know, in, in December or whenever that was. Um, so, but, but nobody, nobody, there's not a debate out there among coaches about whether or not Chris Beard is a wonderful basketball coach. And there's really not much of a debate about whether he's going to do well at a miss. It's just um, some, some, frankly, I, and I don't say this to, it's just the truth. Some do not think that he should have been hired under these circumstances. And so that's the best explanation for why he goes from getting above 60% of the vote two years ago when he was hired at Texas to now less than 12% of the vote when he was hired at Ole Miss. Uh, Before we get out of here, one more we want to touch on, and it was a question that I believe is publishing later today. Yeah, and it should really be any minute now. As we could, oh, any minute. Oh, oh, do we have a special present for you? Oh, no. Any minute. The question was simple. Will Zach Eady who is the reigning everybody national player of the year. Will Zach Eady repeat as national player of the year? And um, more than 60% of the coaches we corresponded with said that they believe that he will. 63% said yes. 37% said no. Yeah. Um, I had even coaches who said yes say, I know it's smarter to take the field. I know that I should take the field. But that guy is unstoppable, and his team's going to be great, and that's going to be your national. He ran away with it. So, um, yeah, yeah, if he gets hurt, I, I guess he won't be national player of the year. But basically, if the, the, the prevailing thought from coaches I talked to was if he is healthy and they are good, he's your national player of the year. Okay, so a couple things on this. One, let's just pre- let's predict right now. Is he going to do it, GP? Will Zach Eady be in back-to-back national player of the year? Yeah, I think so. I do, too. I think he's going to do it. I say as much in the can of coaches, which, again, should be publishing at any moment. Oh, boy. Woo! You know what? We'll drop this in the episode description so you can tap on through and give it a read there. Oh, man. I think he's going to do it. Um, side rant is what it is. Um because there are six national player of the years that are traditionally recognized. And that doesn't even count the most important of them all, the CBS sports national player of the year, the six that have been long, you know, held in the highest regard are the Naismith award, the associate of presses national player of the year, the wooden award, 
the National Association of Basketball Coaches Award, the Oscar Robertson, which is the Writers Award, and then Sporting News, which was the first one to ever do this. Back in 58, the Sporting News said, we're going to hand out National Player of the Year. And uh, and they've held that distinction. DeCourcy, the great Mike DeCourcy, has been laying, uh, keeping, it, uh, keeping it down there for a better part of three decades. So because of that, because college basketball doesn't have a Heisman Award, um, you have years where multiple players win National Player of the Year. And some years, that's, that's a worthy discussion. Sometimes they, they split. Sometimes it's some, some people think that uh, this player should win versus that player. That's fine. It's a, it's a healthy discussion. But it doesn't make for a neat discussion on this because there have been 12 players in the history of National Player of the Year awards that have won, that have a claim to, a, to one of the big six in back-to-back seasons. Now, the last player to do this, how do I phrase this? I wrote it in the story. The last player to win back-to-back National Player of the Year awards in multiple from multiple outlets, if you will, was Ralph Sampson at Virginia, who three-peated with the Naismith Award in 81, 82, 83. Now, since then, Jordan won one of them in 83, and then he swept it in 84. And then Jay Williams won one of them in, in 2001 before he won most of them in 02. And then Luca Garza, DeCourcy gave Garza the National Player of the Year for Sporting News, the year that everyone else gave it to Obi Toppin. And then Garza swept it the next year. So Garza technically does apply to this. So we have had a recent example of this. All it takes is one. You know, Luca Garza has two National Player of the Year awards from two different seasons. So he applies. There have been 12 total. I'm going to give you the list right now in, alpha, in, uh, in alphabetical order, in chronological order. Oscar Robertson at Cincinnati, Jerry Lucas at Ohio State, Bill Bradley at Princeton, Lou Alcindor at UCLA, Pete Maravich at LSU, Bill Walton at UCLA, David Thompson at NC State. Shouts to another DePaul drop on the episode. Mark Aguirre did this in 80 and 81 for the Blue Demons. And then you had Samson, Jordan, Williams, and Garza. So it's happened a dozen times. This used to be a fairly a common occurrence in college basketball. Doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out why. Used to be that really great player, stayed three and four years. If you did that and you wanted as a junior, hell, if you wanted as a sophomore, you had a great chance at repeating. And then as more and more great players left early to go to the NBA, uh, the likelihood of that happening dropped off significantly. National Players of the Year left for the NBA. In fact, um, Garza, Chibwe, and Hansborough are the only ones to do it in the past two decades. Now we have Edie coming back. I think he's going to do it because I don't think he has reached his ceiling as a college player. I think Purdue's got a great chance to be one of the five best teams in the country again this season. And as a couple of coaches even mentioned to me, even if Edie's numbers stay flat or drop slightly, if his teammates around him get better, and we went deep into this on the Purdue episode of the summer shoot around, uh, that's probably going to give Purdue a great chance at being the best team in the Big Ten in contention for a one seed. And Edie's numbers, which were outrageous last season, they'll be close to outrageous again if even if he even drops down in production so because of all this again knock on wood barring we are saying barring injury all these things obviously come with that caveat i think he's going to do it and i think it's different than garza jordan and jay williams he'll be the first player since ralph sampson to like quote unquote truly do this and do it you know from multiple bureaus if you will in back-to-back seasons, would love to see it, and that would dovetail nicely, potentially with Painter maybe getting off that best coach not to make a Final Four list. As you mentioned, it's not that common uh, to get back-to-back National Player of the Year awards in college basketball. Pretty common in the NBA to get back-to-back MVPs. Just in my adult life, Tim Duncan went back-to-back 
Steve Nash went back to back 2005, 2006. LeBron James went back to back in 2009 and 2010 and won four of five from 2009 to 2013 and probably should have been five for five. Five, he probably should have won five straight MVPs. But Derrick Rose won it in 2011. I mean, Barkley won the year that uh, 93 and Malone won. Like the same thing with Jordan. Like these. Yeah, these, um, yeah. it went Jordan. Um, went Jordan, Jordan, Barkley, and then it went Jordan. Yeah, well, we had we had Magic, Jordan, Magic, Jordan, and then Jordan, 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 and then Barkley, Hakeem, Hakeem. And then David Robinson. Robinson. But, but this is this is the yeah. Jordan retirement. Yes, and then Jordan comes back. Jordan, it, I think it goes Jordan Malone, Jordan. That's right. It goes yeah. Jordan Malone, Jordan Malone. And so then later on, we get LeBron doing four and five years back to back twice. Steph Curry back to back 15 and 16. Giannis back to back 19 and 20. Jokic back to back 21, 22. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. common in the NBA. It is. It is, it is fairly common. That, and that makes a ton of sense. Real quick um, to the coaches that voted no. And again, 60. So two out of three coaches, 100 plus polled. Um, that's a hell of a, that, you know, Hell of a return there for Edie. That shows you how much respect he has in the sport, and and I think it makes sense. Um, but the ones that said no, I said, okay, if it's not going to be Edie, you got to give me a name. And Dickinson was comfortably the most uh, the most popular of that. Uh, it went Dickinson, Filipowski. I think Klingon narrowly beat Baycott and then Kulk Brenner were the only ones to get multiple votes. I had a few other players like Justin Moore got one vote, but the multiple votes, all bigs, Dickinson, Filipowski, Baycott, Klingon, and Kulk Brenner were the most popular picks among the coaches that said Edie would not do it. Okay. Would you take, okay. We both believe Zach Edie will be the national player of the year because it's got to be somebody and we think he's the most likely. Would you take the field over Zach Edie? You have, you have to. Uh, because the, taking the field also brings in the potential for injury and et cetera. So it would be irresponsible not to, but I'm, I'm predicting that Zach Eady will win national player of the year. again. Okay. Here's one for you. You can take the field, anybody, but centers, you can take centers or a non-center. That's the question. I'm taking a center. I'm taking a center too. You have to take a center. Yeah. Yeah. And is that going to be the way it is going forward? Because yeah. as we've talked about a million times, Maybe. Like Armando Baycott. I don't even think I don't even think you mentioned him. I did. Yeah, no, oh, you he did. Got, okay. He, he, got, he got a few uh, votes. Yeah. But yeah, yeah the, the guy who got the most votes for me is the other guy. Like if it's not Edie, who's it going to be? Filipowski. I got a lot of I, not a lot, but like the, not every coach gave me an alternative answer. But the ones who did, Filipowski was up there. Dickinson as well. I, I just wonder if this is going to be a thing in college basketball going forward, because you can be a traditional center in college and be awesome. And there's no place for you to go. And you can make a lot of money in college now. So the Zach Eadies, the Armando Baycotts, the Ryan Kalkbrenners, the Hunter Dickinsons, the Filipowskis. Filipowski's got a place to go. He's different than the rest of these guys. Filipowski could have been a first-round pick, I believe. The rest of these guys could not have been. But I, I wonder if every year we're not going to be talking about the, the four best players or the, the four preseason favorites for National Player of the Year are all sinners. Um, yeah. it, it felt like it was that last season on some level. And it feels like it's going to be that again heading into this season. Yeah, I don't know if it'll stay permanently. Um, sometimes things in, in team sports certainly go through through cycles, and we'll see if this winds up being a cycle or not. But for the uh, for the immediate future in the coming years, um, that does seem to be uh, the case for where we're at. Um, before we get out of here, I got to uh, bring something up on a personal note. I believe we've touched on all the kind of coaches stuff. Uh, Kevin B. in the chat asked if, uh, if we had a status update on my war on cable and if I've cut the cord. We are able to do this podcast right now because I, I pushed off... Uh, I pushed off the inevitable here. So um, 
listen, if, if these if these disputes happen, whatever, I'm I'm going to switch. But I we had to do a podcast this morning. However, if anyone has any experience with this, because I'm going to do it Friday morning, please find me on Twitter at Matt Norlander. Email the show. Shouts to CBS at gmail.com because I'm genuinely interested in how this is going to go. So I got these cable boxes. I got it. I got to. Re- they, they have to be either mailed or returned. I'm just going to return them. I'm going to go to the brick and mortar. I got to bring it anyway. So instead of dealing with a 90 minute phone conversation of canceling my cable, I'm just going to walk into this place and bring in my router, my modem, both cable boxes and just be like, this is it. We're done. GP, you ever done anything like this? You ever, have you ever experienced? I've never done it. I've never, I've, I've canceled because I've had to move. Like I've done it over the phone, but I'm not, I don't want to deal with the 90 minute phone call. I just want to walk in. Here's my stuff. Take my information. We're done here. I, um, we, within the past couple of years, uh, changed internet companies um, because there was a, we have C Spire, like free advertising. We have C Spire. And it was like, I got, so, cause my kids are of age. Like my kids are playing Fortnite nonstop, right? Like they are streaming games. And if it's slow, your kids hate you. Dad, I'm getting killed because I'm lagging. Right? Like you got it. So I reached the point where I was like, what is the best internet in my community? And what and how do I make it as good as it can be? And so we got uh, my research showed it was C Spire. And then I had them come out. I don't do anything. I, I, I get on the phone. Sure. And I say, send them out here. Send your guy. Send him with extras, everything. And let's just go. Th- I don't want to set up anything. I don't want any. I want a professional. And so we've got pods everywhere. You can hardwire in basically in nearly every room you might want to hard like my wife's desk my desk my kids gaming yeah. room um i just i was like the thing my family uses more than anything else this is just true is the internet and so let's have the best we can have and bring out the professionals and so my internet is professionally installed and it's 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 pretty good it's better than bloomington's i know that okay yeah, well, I'm getting I'm getting the the new service installed on Friday morning. I would I'm getting some feedback here in the chat saying it won't work. You might have to call. I did some research, did my own research online. Mm-hmm. Always, always a a formidable. Tactic. And you came away thinking you have a heart condition. It said it said <laughs> that you can over the phone, or you got to go into an actual store. So um, we'll see on this. I don't want to I don't want to call and cancel now. I want to watch the NFL game tonight okay. and I can't, I can't, if I cancel now, I'm going to lose the cable service and the internet. Well, then what am I doing? I'm I've had to, that with direct, say, man, yeah. you know, like we have direct TV. I've just always had direct TV. I like it. I, I know people will say, Oh, it's stupid. I don't know. I like it. I like, it's comforting. So, I, I just enjoy it. I like the way the remote control. The chat it sounds like I'm about to storm the Capitol. No, but <laughs> hey, I'm going to, I'm not even like, I'm not even. Where angry. were you like, on January 6th? I'm, I'm just like, listen, you had, you had a week to wrap this up. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm moving into the new age. Like I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. Um, I even had stuff on the DVR. Like when, uh, when we did the podcast for CBS sports network, I DVR'd it. I watched a little bit of that last night. Cause you know, I got to return the boxes. I'm gonna lose the, lose the DVR. I don't know if, I don't know if that's what was archived anywhere else, but I wanted to give a, a little I'm sure they, they got it somewhere if you need it. I can get so, it. But I'm just, you know, I just, I want to, I want to go in, give my stuff back and just be like, we're done here. I know. I, I, I like, know. I still have direct TV and I've been going through it. We don't have CBS right now on direct TV. 
What? Yeah. Come on, let's get it together. Okay, right. So, like, it's a big problem because, like, I love CBS. It's America's most watched network, and they have the PGA Tour. So, like, it'd be Saturday, Sunday, and I'd now it's fine for me because I have Paramount Plus, so I can just stream it through Paramount yeah. Plus. So it's fine. Yeah. Anything that's on CBS, that's why I haven't had like a, ooh, what are we going to do about Directv? Because anything that's on CBS, I just can stream it through Paramount Plus. It's fine. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. I just I have Directv for television, Seaspire for internet, and everything. Uh, everything works smoothly. I'm satisfied. Does it cost me about seven hundred dollars a month? Probably yes. yes. <laughs> do you get the Pac-12 network? Of course you don't. Will the Pac-12, do I have Pac-12 network? Yeah. No. Yeah. Am I spending too much on my? in-house entertain probably but like whatever <laughs> why, why do you think i got all these jobs so that i can skimp on direct tv no you get all these jobs so you can have direct tv if you want hey listen that's the other thing and then we'll get out of here you were kind enough the past few years password share for a sunday ticket that uh, you don't that's not it anymore i'm got i'm going youtube tv i got seriously i because I, I started to research this the other night and then i was just like i don't feel like reading but um how do I get Sunday ticket now? Is it YouTube TV? You what do I got to do? You have to subscribe to YouTube TV. GP allowed me to watch my bears little password share, which was a nice little perk there for about four or five years. That's out the window. So uh, I have plunked down for, uh, cause the way that you, the way that they get you and I understand it's completely justifiable. I got a wife and two kids. If we go to, if we see three bears games in a bar and go and eat, we have paid for Sunday ticket for the entire year. So why wouldn't I just stay home and watch all of them? Oh, this is a man rationalizing, you know? Exactly. This is how you rationalize that. So you do what you got to do. What you got to do to watch your team go six and eleven. So I can't you tell go. you how many things I've bought and then and then rationalize it. Like, well, you know, if I were to go do this, like, you know, the uh, monthly That's golf. That's not inaccurate. Mostly, most the monthly golf course, uh, you know, membership fees. My wife's like, "What are we paying this amount?" I'm like, I was like, "Well, if you have to understand, if I play twice a week, yeah. and then you know, you include a card, it's going to cost this much." And she's like, "Just whatever, I don't care." Just, 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 it seems excessive, but shut up. Wow. So, hey, you, you want what you want. You get hey, what listen, you want. I, I presume I, whenever our next podcast happens, I'll have the internet to get it done. That's, that's the hope. That's good I, to hear. That's good that's, to hear. I think that's a show. I think we're going to call that a show. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for watching and listening to the Eye on College Basketball podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Spock. Are we showing off t-shirts today? I got my Tecmo Super Bowl shirt. NFL season starts tonight. He's got his Willie Nelson for president shirt. I love this Tecmo Super Bowl shirt. If we're going to elect an old man, let's make it Willie Nelson. Christ. There we go. You know, if we're going to elect an old man, let's make it Willie Nelson. Let's go. I'm on fire. Just to Willie Nelson. Yeah, absolutely. Rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett. Rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett. What a sad deal that was. I know. I know. I was on a Buffett kick earlier this week. That that prompted me. I was in I was in the keys when Jimmy Puppet passed. How about so that? Then, you really were. Yeah. You really so, were. We just, so like uh you, you won't you won't have a hard time guessing what the pool was playing every day, all day. <laughs> there we go. Oh buddy, I was in Margaritaville about every forty five minutes. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I was in Margaritaville about every forty five minutes. There's a hell of a deal. Make sure you rate it, review it. Leave a comment. There's more of us than there are of them. Jimmy Buffett, I'm certain one of us. Unquestionably. <laughs> had to be. I mean, had to be. There's not a doubt in the world. He was probably a subscriber to this podcast. I mean, had to be. Yeah. Had to be. So moment of silence for Jimmy Buffett.
All right. We'll talk to you again real soon. That was weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.